Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I am chatting with Dr. Eric Reese about creating daily habits. This episode is brought to you by the Functional Neurology Center, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are leaders in neural recovery and experienced in treating complex concussion cases with dysautonomia, vertigo, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They've greatly helped me and many others. You can find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. Hello, everyone. I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Good Men Project, and author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. And I recently launched The Brain Health Magazine. You can grab your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. And you can learn more about me and catch any of our previous podcasts at facesoftbi.com. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And don't forget to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Eric Reese, and he is an international speaker and educator with over eight years of clinical experience as a doctor of chiropractic and board-certified functional neurologist, working with some of the most complex neurological and metabolic conditions throughout the world. He received his doctorate of chiropractic from Northwestern Health Sciences University and graduated from the University of Minnesota with his Bachelor of Science degree in kinesiology exercise science. He currently holds a diplomate in functional neurology from the American Board of Chiropractic Neurology, an accredited agency within the American Chiropractic Association. He believes the connection between optimal neurological function and nutritional status is essential to understanding how to fully maximize brain function and cognitive performance, which is why SHIFT takes a multifaceted approach to working with businesses and employees to optimize workplace productivity and employee engagement by implementing simple solutions and habits that integrate neuroscience, functional nutrition, mindfulness, and holistic coaching practices. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Reese. So happy to have you here today. Hey, thanks, Amy. I'm so happy to hear from you. Yeah, well, I am excited to have you here today talking about creating daily habits. And I think, you know, this is a very important topic. Um, as you know, working with brain injury patients, it, it is often challenging after a brain injury to get into daily habits, to remember to do our daily habits, and to have a, uh, yeah. and how important having a routine can be. Um, but first, I would love to have you share with our listeners how you came to work within the brain injury community. What brought you here? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, 
I think the easiest answer for me is just my life experience. Uh, I've played hockey and soccer for a majority of my life. Growing up in North Dakota in the winter, there's not much to do when it's freezing cold besides get your skates on and go play hockey. So most of my life has consisted of playing sports that have involved, you know, physical contact, um, you know, potentials for concussions. I mean, hockey and soccer are two of the top four or five sports uh, for setting individuals up for having either concussions, brain injuries, or just repetitive, uh, you know, sub-concussive hits to the head. And so I kind of lived that tale in that story. And fortunately for me, I never had a complete season-ending or career-ending injury that took me out of the game. But I know what it feels like to, you know, quote-unquote, have my bell rung or to, you know, feel a little off after a game, after a hit. And so my whole endeavor with getting into medicine was really trying to not only find ways to help fix myself and find more about how I can help myself update my software, but really give hope to those who have unfortunately been put into a system that may not be set up to help those who are dealing with brain injuries and concussions. And and what I really mean by that is a lot of people come in to the clinic, to the office, and I'm sure Amy and your tribe too, there are people who say, well, you know, I've had doctors who have done MRIs, they've done CTs, they've done different diagnostic tests, and they don't, they don't find anything wrong with the brain, but I still have symptoms, I still feel dizzy, I still have headaches, you know, et cetera. And um, diagnostic imaging is phenomenal for finding brain tumors, for finding bleeds, for finding congenital formations that we didn't know about. And so when we catch those, it's a, it's a godsend. But um, you don't go buy a car based off the photo you find on the Internet. You have to go look at the car, look under the hood, and test everything and make sure inputs match outputs. And that's kind of where, you know, functional neurology and, and doing a bedside examination and understanding nutrition and all these different components come into play for me clinically is saying, you know, I really want to see, you know, if I hit your, your reflex, I should expect to see a reflex. If I do a specific eye movement test, I should see a specific eye movement outcome. And so, you know, for me, the whole endeavor of treating individuals and, and going into brain trauma and concussions is because I've lived that tale before. I've seen so many cases and so many patients in our office who have lived those tales before. And the beauty of that is I understand not only where they're coming from, but where I want to get them to go. And a lot of these people uh, have such a great opportunity to make improvements just based off the fact that we know that the brain changes. My whole journey really has been trying to help individuals just live the highest quality life possible. And that carries not over into, uh, you know, my professional life, seeing patients, but also to, getting more into businesses, getting more into companies, doing more health and wellness. And on top of that as well, just living the best life possible for myself and taking care of myself to, to stick around on this earth as long as I can to help people. So, Yeah. So let's jump into your topic today of creating daily habits. And as I said earlier, you know, people after a brain injury often have trouble um, getting into a routine and having and sticking to, you know, daily habits. And sometimes we have to break our old habits, right, to, to um, truly form a new habit. So where would you like to start? Where would you like to jump in? Yeah, well, I think you, you, I think you kind of started it off for us. I mean, the, <laughs> the whole basis of, of being productive and finding ways to move yourself forward really is uh, at the heart of just building a thriving daily routine. And I've seen so many different variations of this with different patients. I mean, I have patients who 
have to literally set alarms for multiple times a day for them to remember to do their exercises, take medications, take time to rest, like do different activities. And so, you know, this is such an interesting component because there's so many ways to go about building a thriving routine. We all have them. We all inherently have them. I mean, think about what you do when you get up in the morning. I, you know, in some way, shape, or form, you're going to do some sort of routine where you're taking care of your body, you either shower or you brush your teeth, you comb your hair, use the restroom. I mean, there are just inherent things that we default to um, over time. And so the, the, the big aspect with creating a habit is getting us to default to routines that benefit us. It wouldn't make sense for you to get up in the morning and right away go start eating junk food or, um, you know, doing an array of things that could not benefit your health. So what we really are looking to do is everybody has routines. Everybody has habits. So the, the big aspect of that is breaking old habits that aren't serving you and creating new ones. And the old saying of, you know, it takes 21 days to formulate a habit was kind of just based off of some, some poor science. And we actually really understand now that, uh, if I get a drum roll, please, we, it takes 66, 63 days to, not 66 days, to actually formulate a habit see changes in the brain neurologically and see the plastic changes for those systems and circuits to say, hey, we're here to stay. This is something that's, that's easy for us to do um, in the long term. So, you know, a habit to me, we all have them. The, the, the big component with all of this is we're really trying to change people's habits for better and not for worse. We all have habits that don't serve us in some way, shape, or form. And so getting through those components and getting through those periods of time to formulate a new habit um, is really where a lot of this this magic lies. And people can go from, you know, having reminders set on their phone. They can go from having triggers like, oh, I always set my workout. I need to work out. It kind of just depends on what works for you. And with patients and with some of my clients, I've tried an array of things. Everyone's so different. It really matters what works yeah. for you at the end of the day and then adapting that process to make sure that you can own it. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know, and you're so right. Everybody is completely different. And, you know, I I think it's so fascinating when I meet people who have, you know, gone through the journey of a brain injury. And, you know, some have really impaired memory problems, while others never had any issues with their memory. You know, some have headaches, some never have a headache. So, you know, it is, it's like, while all the symptoms are overlapping, not everyone's will be exactly the same. And so that's always really important to take into consideration. Um, I know for me, my memory was severely impacted, my short-term memory and I had to keep things in their place or I would lose them. <laughs> and I had um, a specific place where, like, I put my purse and my car keys. And if, you know, I came in with, say, a handful of groceries and sat them down on the counter and my keys sat down on the counter as well, um, you know, two hours later when I was looking for my keys, I might not find them even though they're sitting on the counter right in plain sight. But they're not where they're supposed yeah. to be, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, like for me, that was a, that was a habit I created was having specific places to put things because that, that was the only way I could function. Well, and you don't know what you don't know, right? I mean, who would have predicted that at the end of the day you in some way, shape, or form would have said, hey, I forget where my keys are. I mean, that's such a common thing. And, um, you know, when we when we start getting into trying to 
get into like the analysis of like understanding like what people do on a daily basis. Like what, like, well, what do you, what do you do for 16 to 18 hours a day? Like what are your habits? What are activities that you do? Like, you know, if you are an entrepreneur, you're working your business, but if you're an individual who had a brain injury, you know, you're, you're at home and you're trying to get through life. And, you know, there's so many things that we can do as far as getting people to be more efficient and more successful. And for somebody that might be, you know, getting to be a better parent and take care of their children. For another person, I would be, hey, I want to get rid of my migraines and headaches. And so these habits, you know, those, those habits that each of those different groups form are going to be different than they should, right? So um, I think it's an interesting topic because there are so many variations. And believe me, if I had a cookie-cutter approach that worked for everybody, I would be doing it, right? I would make my job and my life so much easier by saying, hey, here's what you need to do, follow these steps, we'll see you later and, and you'll be successful, but that's just not how we work. And this kind of ties into another component that I think is so important for creating habits is I just uh, finished up reading uh, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, which is a phenomenal book about Victor Frankl, who was a neuropsychologist who ended up spending about four years in a Nazi concentration camp. Um, and he he's kind of an up-and-coming prodigy. He had spent time under, uh, studying with Sigmund Freud, and in high school, and he was going to school, and all of a sudden, you know, because of his faith, he was placed in these Nazi concentration camps for about four years. He actually wrote his manuscript for the book prior to getting in there, but when he got in for his first day, the uh, the Nazi concentration camp counselors took his um, his book away from him, which is interesting because he ended up finding it on the last day where he got uh, released, and so he wrote this amazing book called Man's Search for Meaning, and what he essentially came to conclusion on was the fact that no matter what situation somebody is placed in, as long as they're able to find a reason or a meaning for their life or a meaning for their existence or a meaning for why they do things, that will serve them in, in a purposeful way. And that can get them through nearly any situation that they're placed in. And so I think this is such an important thing from a doctor's perspective is we have to understand from a provider's perspective, talking to a patient like, what their search for meaning is. Like, why are they pursuing this opportunity to not only get better, but they want to end some way, shape, or form the suffering that they've endured, whether that's pain, whether that's dysfunction, whether that's not being able to walk on their own anymore or have those memories. And so I think finding a meaning for your life, finding a meaning for why you want to do therapy or why you want to pursue different endeavors is such an important component because you can use it as a motivator to change the habits that you have that may not be serving you. And it's a self-perpetuating cycle because let's say somebody starts off and they're uh, in a situation where they're not mobile, right? They can't walk as well as they, as they used to be. Well, maybe their meaning or their motivation for that is they just want to be able to go say hi to their neighbor who they had a really good relationship with prior to their fall. Great. Well, now that they have that meaning, they can start taking those daily habits and formulating those steps to get back to walking or improving their mobility to maybe be able to go over and say hi to their neighbor. And that's a great motivator because that has meaning behind it that will allow them to make those changes. Let's say they're six months down the road and they're like, yep, I'm walking, I'm doing better, I'm recovering. Now they take that meeting and they say, well, I really wanted to go walk and talk to the neighborhood. Now I really want to go to the grocery store on my own because I used to have this great relationship with a cashier or a butcher who I used to see a lot. They can use that same meaning to further cultivate more steps and more habits of improvement to get them now to a new status of functionality. And I find myself spending far more time with patients in their history and asking them these questions of why do you want to pursue this 
what is the end result? What are your expectations? More importantly, like what are underlying motivators? What's the meaning behind why you're doing this? Because in the end, it doesn't matter if I have the ideal or perfect treatment plan for a patient. It really matters the execution on their behalf. And more importantly, us forming a team to work together to get them to where they want to go. And I think having a meaning for your life is so important because if you don't have a meaning, you're not willing to put in the hard work, the energy, or the effort to do the things that, that you're going to be asked. So having meaning is such an important component. And um, I think we can all use a little uh, heavy dose of looking deep into ourselves to understand why we're doing the things we want to do, what we want to get out of life. I think that's a really important question we should be asking ourselves on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that that's often a challenging question for brain injury survivors. Um, until you can get to a point where you are no longer feeling a victim, um, I, I yeah. think it's really challenging for some people to be able to even see their purpose in life. And, you know, that makes me really sad because everybody has a purpose. And, you know, just because something happened to you doesn't mean that has to be the end of your story. Your story is just beginning. Um, And so how, you know, how can you help someone who maybe is still stuck? Um, How can you help them propel themselves forward? I think having... A quality conversation is one of the most efficient ways to get somebody from point A to point B. And I think one of the unfortunate components of where we're at in medicine today, and this isn't a blame on any type of profession, because I think, you know, chiropractors are guilty as anybody else out there, is not having the conversations or not being effective communicators to be able to engage people to do some of the things that will benefit them in the long run. And that's by no means saying that, People are actively choosing not to. Sometimes they just don't understand the value of having that conversation. And, and here's the kicker. I mean, doctor is Latin for teacher or to teach or to educate. Uh-huh. And I'll argue uh, throughout the entire healthcare sphere, we have done such a poor job of educating people. Because here's, here's the catch-22. Patients come into the office not having the education or the foundation to even ask the question to get the answer that they're looking for. And that's a problem. Because if you can't ask the question to get the answer you're looking for because you're uneducated on the topic, it's not necessarily that patient's fault. It's the fault of the doctor or the system that's not giving you the tools and resources to be able to find the solution. And we used to be able to be in a situation um, where we could educate patients and have conversations with them. And I, I think with the advent of technology and tech messaging and communicating, we don't always get the context or the intonation or a lot of these things that we pick up, that our brains pick up with with language. Um, So I think being an effective communicator is the most efficient and and quickest way for you to be able to get somebody out of a dip, out of a bad spot, and get them to a point where they are ready to take on a new role or to start treatment or therapy or to have a conversation to say, hey, maybe this isn't working out with provider A. Let's try provider B and see if there's any synergy going on there. I mean, at the end of the day, Amy, if you and I were both treating the same patient and that patient liked you more than they liked me, they're inevitably going to get a better result with you just because they believe you, they trust mm-hmm. you, and, and they just they have that better yeah. perception of it. And that's okay. And sometimes that's the job of us doctors to say, hey, I don't think things are driving, or maybe I'm not maximizing your time, or maybe I'm not doing you know as much of a service for you as I can. Maybe it's time to refer you out to somebody who 
does something completely different than I do or does something that's similar than what I do. And maybe the patients get better results because they just have a better relationship with them. That's okay. The job at the end of the day for us as providers is to make sure that we provide the opportunities and the understanding and the knowledge, but really the application and the thought process to help patients get better. And I tell patients this all the time. If I'm the guy that thinks I can treat you, I'll let you know. But if I don't think I'm the person that can treat you, I will let you know too. And I'll also find somebody else who I think can. And I think that's so mm-hmm. important because my ego is not big enough to tell patients that I'm the only person I think I can treat them. I'm very fortunate in the skill set that I have, but it always takes a team to be able to do that. And it's the same thing with communication. We have to be able to communicate and understand and kind of help people guide themselves through the process of the, you know, this, this crazy world we call healthcare. So conversations mm-hmm. are some of the quickest, simplest, cost-effective ways for us to solve problems. And you I don't know, see that ever think, going away anytime soon. Well, yeah. And, and I think, you know, you hit an important point earlier that, um, you know, doctors are supposed to be teachers. They're supposed to, you know, help guide you. Um, and I can tell you from my experience, the like 15 doctors I saw before Dr. Schmo. Um, none of them were helpful. <laughs> you know, they just kept telling me to give it sure. more time. Um, and nobody really explained what was happening. And, you know, I, I, I understand now that they didn't know. Um, sure. And not everyone, I get it, not all doctors can know everything. But you would think after seeing that many doctors, that somebody would have been able to give me some sort of guidance. Um, you know, yeah. and so that's why I started this podcast back when I did just to try to help get the information out to people because there truly are doctors that can help. And we, we're so, um, we've been so bred to just, you know, blindly trust our doctors and, um, you know, they simply just don't know everything and that, you know, not, that's not a fault. I mean, you know, they just, they can't know everything. Um, and my, my hope is someday that, they do understand how, who, who to refer to, who to refer out to. Yeah. Well, and, and there's, there are, there are two components with this. And I think number one is, is one of the bigger aspects is our system really isn't set up for doctors to spend a lot of time with patients. Yes. And I think that, I think that's a hard component that, that we need to address is if you are a medical doctor or a practitioner in a public health system, or an insurance-driven system, you only have so many hours or so many minutes during the day to spend time treating patients. And so either you have that conversation or you spend that time treating. And so it's unfortunately a mutually exclusive um, situation or environment that they're placed in that they, they don't always have those opportunities. And, and on top of that, number two, we have so much information available to us at our fingertips. I mean, just on my cell phone alone, I could go on WebMD and all these different websites and search for all this healthcare information. And the difficult aspect is there's so many things out there that are untrue, that are so skewed, yeah. they're so flawed, and, and there's just so much chaos going on. It's like if you're trying to listen to all the radio stations at once, and then you throw in static into all of that and say, okay, what did you hear? And, and tell me exactly what you took away from that. That is so difficult. And it comes back to the conversation once again, too. Patients don't have the education or the knowledge to make the decisions to even ask the questions to get the answers. And when you have a foundation of education that may not be accurate, it may be flawed. 
it's going to change your, your perceptions, your biases, and your beliefs, too, to maybe when you do get a right answer, you don't know if you should believe it or not. And I think that's a difficult part. Mm, and yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't have a solution for that. I think it's, I think it's a, it's a, it's once again, you know, having conversations, meeting people at the crossroads where they're at. If, you know, there are ethical things that they agree or disagree with their perceptions. Some people are far more into Western medicine or far more into Eastern medicine, depending on your demographics and the way you were brought up in the world. And so we, we, you know, it's a difficult multifactorial equation that we have to take into consideration, but I do think that there are solutions. And once again, it just comes back to having a good conversation. More importantly, I think that we have to understand that it's much more important to understand the patient that has a specific type of disease than the type of disease that a patient has. And what I mean by that is when I get a patient in the office in front of me, I'm not treating uh, a patient who has a concussion, right? I'm treating that specific patient, let's say it's Jane or Sarah or Steve, and that person is suffering from a concussion. It's not that I'm just treating a concussion. I'm treating the patient in front of me who's suffering as a result of their issue. Mm -hmm. And that's so important because there are so many individual drivers and different types of psychological factors that go into more importantly, their perceptions, their beliefs, and and they're they're just their knowledge about where they're at and who they are as a person. We have to use that to our advantage because once again, that provides meaning to why they're doing things that gives me a better idea of what their habits look like, what their routines surround. And more importantly, too, it gives me a better opportunity to really make a treatment plan or have that conversation to be very specific and individualized to that person. Um, Like I said, if we could just cookie cut every single routine procedure and and format out there, then medicine would be so easy, right? Everybody would get (laughs) it figured out. You have a heart attack. This is what you do, right? You get, you know, you have a genetic issue. This is what you do. You know, you have an auto auto accident. This is what you do. And then everybody, life goes on and we're all just blocking algorithms. The brain is far too complex. Um, and far too beautiful to allow something like that to happen. And that's, that's a really unique window that we have as providers. And not only that, too, for patients as well. I mean, that should give any patient out there, any person listening to this, if you have had issues with treatments or therapies or things haven't worked for you, like, don't stop. There are so many other options out there and so many options and tools and therapies out there that you may or may not have even heard of. I mean, even within my profession, within chiropractic, there's so many different fields of study, so many different types of providers, and that's for better or for worse. So, you know, the last thing you can do is give up hope or give up on the fact that you haven't found those therapies or alternatives yet. Keep searching, keep digging, but more importantly, having those conversations is so key. And I tell patients this all the time, you know, keep me honest. I expect my patients to keep me honest on if they're improving, if they're getting better, what they need from me, we have to set standards and expectations as providers with patients because if we don't, that's where assumptions get made. And assumptions mm-hmm. are always an interesting situation to be placed in, especially in medicine, because right. we just don't know the outcome. And, and, and that's, a, that's a really dirty game to play. So, Yeah, 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 it is. It's, you know, just going back a little bit ago to what you said about how, you know, doctors just don't have enough time to spend with their patients. And, you know, most of my doctors probably spent 20 minutes with me. And, you know, how can you really fully get a, get a thorough history and dig deeper into what is going on with the patient in 20 minutes? And, you know, I was super skeptical going into 
um, functional neurology, I was like, well, what are they going to do that nobody else has been able to help me with? Because um, you know, I had been going to a chiropractor, right? Um, and yeah. I mean, my exam with uh, Dr. Schmo was two hours long. And I mean, right there, that was just like beyond anything anyone had done for me before. So, um, you know, our healthcare system really isn't set up for success. And so we do have to start looking outside the box. Um, and I appreciate all the work that you do in, in functional neurology and, um, you know, there, there's, you know, Nora doctors out there and, you know, there, there are, there's providers out there that really know how to help us, um, and just help us keep moving forward in, in our recovery. So Dr. Reese, yeah, we're just, I would agree. we are just about out of time. And I would just like to ask you, you know, do you have some final words of wisdom for our listeners? Um, and, you know, with, with creating those daily habits? Yes. Um, I think that there are so many things that we can do, not only for ourselves, from a provider standpoint, but, but from patients as well. And so um, at the end of the day, life, you know, we only get one set of tires. And, and there are so many opportunities for us to make improvements and change and grow. And I, I, love, I love this quote by, by Jim Rowan because it's, it's timeless. And he says, motivation is what gets you started, but habit is what keeps you going. And I think it's so easy to have that conversation with somebody. You get excited, you get motivated, or you go to an event and you're like, yep, I'm going to change and, and I'm going to do all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, things start slipping or you go right back into those predictable habits and, and things that you had before. And so on the background on my phone, I have discipline is greater than motivation. And what that tells me is that if I set daily goals, daily steps, or do daily activities, those will take me to get the results that I want outside of me relying on motivation because motivation comes and flows, right? It, it ebbs and flows, comes mm -hmm. and goes, and there's not always reasons for that. So if you are somebody who's stuck, if you are somebody who's in a situation where you feel like you've, you've lost some hope, have a conversation, uh, you know, reach out to Amy, get in the tribe, talk to people, and more importantly, find somebody who's going to help you guide yourself along changing those habits in a positive way. And I think you're going to see a good result at the end of the day. Awesome. Well, Dr. Reese, thank you so much for being here today and sharing with our listeners. And if someone wants to get in touch with you, your website is shifttograat.com. Um, and uh, what other ways can they follow you? They can find me on Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can follow me at the Functional Neurology Center as well, too. Um, I think if you type my name into Google, something will pop up for you to be able to reach out to me. So um, I'm awesome. active on all those platforms and uh, I'm open to having any conversations available. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for being here today. And I do have in the show notes, anyone that uh, would like to connect with Dr. Reese, I do have his website shift to great.com in the show notes. So thank you all so much for listening. Again, just another thank you to our sponsor, the Functional Neurology Center. Find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And be sure to join Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone. And I will see you in the next episode. <music>